Welcome to Supplier Experience Live from Hicks, where we explore all the latest topics, trends, and discussion points in the world of procurement, procurement technology, and supplier experience management. My name is Duncan Clark, and welcome to the podcast. We're staying in the UK today, and I'm delighted to welcome Peter Smith to talk to us about what he calls the yin and the yang of procurement. That is, bad buying, which is the subject of Peter's book, on the one side, and procurement with purpose on the other. But before we dive into that, I began by asking Peter if he would tell us a little bit more, first of all, about some of his current projects. I still do a little bit of consulting work, but not a lot these days. I've still got a non-exec role as well, but I'm mainly writing now, um, sometimes for for websites and uh, and books. And my two main projects, uh, activities, are in areas that seem quite different, but actually are sort of two sides of the same coin. So my book that came out uh, in October Um, published by Penguin, which is very nice, is called Bad Buying, How Organisations Waste Billions Through Failures, Frauds and F-Ups, with an asterisk carefully placed in in that last word. Um, And that looks at just that, how things go wrong in procurement, uh, why they go wrong, and a bit about what we can do to avoid that. And I've got a bad buying uh, website and even a Spotify playlist because all the the subheadings in the book are actually song titles uh, and I've even got a bad buying podcast now as well um, and then my other activity is all around what we call procurement with purpose so that's around sustainable procurement purposeful procurement really how organizations can use their third party spend to help the world in in broader and wider ways so it plays back to the United Nations sustainable development goals, so environmental, uh, social and economic, everything from human rights to destruction of the rainforest, diversity in the supply chain to climate change. And again, I've been working with a chap called Mark Pereira, who many people will know is one of the founders of Procurement Leaders. We've got a website, we've been interviewing interesting people, and there may even be another book coming out next year, which will be Procurement with Purpose. So in a sense, Procurement with Purpose is is one of the key areas where procurement can do good. Uh, Organisations can actually generate competitive advantage these days, I think, by doing the right things in terms of purpose. And then bad buying is is the other side, the yin and the yang. Bad buying is really how organisations can waste money, lose their reputation, even go out of business because they they don't do procurement well. Well, these are two fascinating concepts, and there's a lot for us to dive into here. Now, I want to zone in on the data aspect of all of this and just put it to you, can good data or good supplier data support these initiatives? And let's start maybe with avoiding bad buying first. Can data help with that? Yeah, well, it it certainly can. I mean, different, different sorts of data as well. But I mean, just briefly there, a lot of the problems come because organizations don't understand their own supply chains uh, and they haven't got data around who their suppliers are or who their suppliers' suppliers are or where factories are situated or the provenance of what they're buying. There's also issues, for instance, around data in terms of supply chain. So stockholding, logistics, 
uh, all the way through to all the way through the value chain, really, to the sales side of things. So there's an interesting story in the book goes back about 20 years where Cisco, the big U.S. technology firm, ended up writing off something like two billion dollars worth of stock um, and sales were booming. So more and more stock was building up in the supply chain. And then there was some sort of shock to the system and suddenly sales started dropping and they didn't spot that quickly enough. They didn't communicate that through the supply chain. The data didn't flow properly. And they ended up with this vast amount of stock um, sitting in their suppliers and their subcontractors plants that in the end they had to take responsibility for and write off. So that was a different sort of data. I think probably the, the number one um, aspect of procurement data uh, coming through the book in terms of, of failures and frauds actually is in the fraud area. Because when you look at so many of the frauds, they're based on things like fake suppliers, fake invoices or invoices not being checked, uh, what we call invoice redirection fraud. It can be uh, an insider fraud where senior managers um, who have some sort of power of allocating budgets create fake companies and fake invoices, sometimes with the help of collaborators outside the business, sometimes just on their own, and basically submit those fake invoices, fake suppliers, and get them paid. And then invoice diversion is where somebody contacts a firm, and the classic case actually was in the London Olympics, where somebody persuaded the, the ODA uh, to divert a large amount of money, I think it was in the millions, uh, that was supposed to be or was due to be paid to Skanska, the construction firm. And uh, I'm paraphrasing here or I'm making this up a bit, but, you know, basically it was somebody phoning up the ODA and saying, oh, hello, it's Skanska here. We've changed our bank details. Would you mind paying the outstanding invoices to this new account? Uh, GP Smith, uh, 18 Parkway, you know, you know and, and, um, and, and it was a bank account obviously controlled by the, the fraudsters. Um, and they actually got away with it to the point of of the money being paid over. Uh, but most of it was recovered, luckily. And uh, actually, the interesting thing there is because there's always some money laundering that tends to follow that. You know, where does the ill-gotten gains go to? And uh, often it goes offshore. But in this case, it went to buy a parade of shops in Wolverhampton. But um, the point about data is if you had really good data about your suppliers, if you had checks on, on suppliers coming, um, coming into your orbit, as it were, if you were verifying vendor master data when you first started dealing with a company, then it wouldn't be possible for someone inside your firm to just you know, invent a company or register their own company and get money paid to it. You, you would have checks on that data uh, and you wouldn't leave it all in the hands of one person either. If you had control over the, the the bank data, so that it wasn't you know you know it wasn't a straightforward process to change the bank details of people you're paying, then that would avoid all these these invoice misdirection frauds. So data is very significant when it comes to to fraud, um, and actually there's some interesting AI applications I've heard about there where they can use AI to check through past payments to look for inconsistencies or one of the warning signs, for instance, is let's say if a company has a policy that 
invoices over five thousand pounds or dollars have to be checked or or multiple sign signed off or whatever. Um, if you find out there's a particular supplier that submits lots of invoices at £4,999 or dollars, that might be a sign that someone's trying to avoid scrutiny. So there's there's ways that uh, uh, clever systems and AI can go through huge amounts of data and actually look for that sort of, sort of sign. And you raise an interesting point there, also with the examples around some of the ways in which this bad data has created extra cost. You've given examples there of bad decisions that have been taken or things that have been missed by large organisations. Why do you think that organisations haven't picked up on these as quickly as we might expect or haven't looked into some of these new technologies that can help? Is this an area that you see changing at the moment? Well, well, it is, but I mean, that slightly goes back to why, why I wrote the bad buying books, that having been involved in buying for so many years, it still frustrates me that so many organizations don't take it as seriously as they should. So I think it's just, it hasn't had the, maybe the glamour and the the obvious focus that you get on the top line on sales and marketing. And it's been seen a bit as as finance and procurement, a bit of a back office thing. So, so people just don't think about it and it hasn't been prioritized. And really a lot of the, I mean, going back to the frauds, what I found very often in researching it was uh, when an organization suffered fraud, the CFO or the CEO would say, well, it was it was a very sophisticated fraud, very clever criminals. And, and I would look at the details and go, no, it wasn't. It was really it was really stupidly not clever. It was your processes were, were dreadful. They were just so wide open to the to the fraud. And you have to think, how could the boards of those companies and the CEOs and the CFOs sit there and and let it happen that they they didn't have that good supplier data or they didn't have proper sign off processes on on invoices and and it is it is a bit of a mystery so i say genuinely one of the reasons for writing the book and being very bold in terms of calling it bad buying is to try and get the attention of the wider business world rather than just the procurement community to say you really should be focusing on this. Now, the good news is, in terms of technology and systems, there's no doubt in the last 10 years, things have improved both in terms of the quality of the technology that's available, and I think in organizations' willingness to, to take it on. And, and they've realized that, you know, just having an ERP system with, with a bit of a purchase to pay uh, side to it doesn't mean that you you've you've done digital procurement by any means so so i think we are seeing improvement and more firms are investing in um anything from better supply data management contract management systems smarter sourcing systems you know risk management that's another growing area i'm pleased to say um so so things are improving but um but could still be better so that's a great example around fraud. But do you see procurement being able to do more or have more of an impact in areas such as sustainability, diversity, or indeed contribution to other corporate initiatives, for example? I, absolutely. And I, I think there's two two big drivers for that. The first one being just, just the, the end consumers are undoubtedly more interested in this stuff than they ever were before. So it's being led mainly by the consumer goods companies. 
So some of the people we've interviewed for the Procurement with Purpose website, like Heineken, Unilever, uh, Bayer, and there's other, other people like, like Mars who've been leaders in this Nestle. And it, a lot of it is because their consumers, their customers are demanding to know more about how those firms are handling issues like deforestation and uh, the farmers in their supply chain working for not a lot of money in, in developing countries. So there's a demand there and organizations are realizing that you can actually generate competitive advantage by doing some of these things. So they're both the, the right things to do in terms of the future of the world, if you like, but they also generate immediate advantage potentially for the Unilevers and Mars and so on. So, so that's really driving it. And then in terms of the procurement link, many organizations, I mean, not just the consumer goods companies, have realized that they can achieve far more by having an impact on their supply chain than they can by just doing stuff internally. So if you think about it, if you run offices or factories, whatever, you can do some energy saving initiatives and you can do something about emissions. But even if you're buying services, the amount of, of emissions and the amount of impact on the world that's going on through your supply chain far outweighs what's happening within your own company. You can achieve far more by working with them and through them and collaboratively with them. Uh, you, you can do far more than you can just doing stuff internally. So actually, in a lot of the, uh, again, like the consumer goods companies, the leading companies, you're now seeing individuals who are both the CPO, Chief Procurement Officer, and also the CSO, Chief Sustainability Officer, there's quite a few of those individuals now because for them, the whole question about sustainable business largely rests in their supply chain as well as within their own business or more than it rests within their, their own business. So I think this leads nicely into the other concept that we were looking to discuss today, which is procurement with purpose. And I love the subtitle, can we use our spend to save the world? Could you just elaborate a little bit more on this and how it fits into your vision? Yeah, well, I say I'm, I'm working with Mark Pereira and Mark is is very committed to this and uh, he's a fair bit younger than me. So, you know, he wants to dedicate quite a lot of the next 10, 15 years of his his working life to this. And uh, his kids are younger than uh, my my daughter. So and the idea really is, as, as I've sort of outlined, we can use our spend to address some of these difficult issues around climate, around the environment, human rights, diversity, and so on. But do it in a way that it isn't a cost for us as the buying organizations doing it. It can actually be a benefit to us, but it has that wider, wider goal as well. And what it plays into, it comes back around to the data question, as I sort of hinted at earlier. If you look at, let's take a, take a couple of examples. If you look at somebody like Mars or Unilever who are buying vegetable oil and there's there's a big issue because more and more palm oil is being grown uh, or palms grown for palm oil, I should say. And in some ways, that's good. It's a more efficient plant than some of the oil, the other oil generating plants. And it can be very good for the farmers where it's being grown. But we've seen a lot of deforestation. And, and there's been stories about 
the orangutans are going to be extinct in, in Indonesia because of palm oil plantations. So the big firms want to do something about that. And they want to buy palm oil from sustainable plantations, from farmers who care about the environment, all this sort of thing. But you have to understand your supply chain. And it's not a straightforward supply chain. You might have a small grower who sells to some sort of local agent or middleman who then sells it on to a mill that does the first level processing. There might even be a bigger mill that does more work. Uh, then it'll go to some probably large agri agricultural company who looks to, to sell it, so the trading company. So there's, there's different tiers in that supply chain. And if you really want to address deforestation, you have to understand that supply chain all the way through. You, you have to have data about the the provenance of the oil or the cocoa beans or the fish if you're buying fish or fresh meat or something increasingly companies and their consumers want to know where things come from so that's a huge issue for procurement and supply chain managers it's a huge data issue as well as, as i said earlier but that's that's really uh, i think a growing issue and, and will continue to grow for the next few years and then when you look closer to home and a, a non-environmental issue, look at human rights and modern slavery and so on, and think about the case we had in the UK recently with the sweatshops in the garment industry in Leicester. So these factories paying below the legal minimum wage, potentially actually having people working there in conditions that didn't look a million miles away from modern slavery and perhaps illegal immigrants who were being threatened with being uh, exposed if they didn't didn't work for these stupidly low wages and so on. And you had the retailers sort of passing the book and say, oh, well, you know, we didn't know this was happening. We didn't know our suppliers were even using these factories and we didn't know the conditions were bad. And we have inspected them in the past and they looked OK to us. So lots of excuses from the retailers, uh, but really not not good enough. And I say that was that's another example of bad buying. But procurement with purpose says we have to be concerned for the human rights and the welfare of everybody working in our supply chains. Now, in, in practice, you can't, no organization, even a Unilever or Mars, can absolutely guarantee that. But where you have big suppliers, strategic suppliers, I think you you have to take an interest in, in those things now. So what we've been trying to do on the website is really interview interesting people who've got ideas and are doing things in this area, but also give some, hopefully some practical and useful information or, or thinking about what you can actually do in your organisation, even if you're not a Unilever or Mars. Because I think there's been a lot of talk about some of these areas, but turning it into something real that people can do uh, is is quite tricky. So I've been I've been putting quite a lot of thought into that in recent months as well. It's really great to hear about these positive steps forward, supported by approaches such as this. From a pragmatic perspective, though, how could this agenda be pushed forward? For example, how should it be presented to the board to to get support? So so I think um, procurement professionals can talk to the board about the opportunity and the risks, but it has to be tailored to what matters and what can matter to the organization. So 
as an example, my, my local council is Surrey Heath. It's no good Surrey Heath starting a big campaign to say, uh, we're going to do procurement in a way that will save the orangutans in Indonesia, because Surrey Heath really can't influence that much at all. What Surrey Heath could do is say, we're going to focus a certain amount of our procurement spend on small and startup businesses in the area that are owned by or support disabled people, young people coming out of care, ex-offenders, uh, maybe other minority groups. You, you know, Surrey Heath could do a lot for interesting different firms in the area that plays into some of those, those wider social and, and economic goals. Equally, if you're if you are a huge buyer of vegetable oil, well, you could focus on helping local diverse suppliers wherever your factories or offices are based, but you probably have more impact and it probably matters more to your customers if you if you get stuck into the issue around vegetable oil. So so tailoring that message, there isn't a single message to to every board, every organization. Um, but I think procurement professionals can talk about that opportunity for positioning that actually will help the organization and also the risk if things go wrong. You don't want to be that that organization named on the front page of the Sunday Times or the Mail or the Guardian saying you've got some scandal in your supply chain. Now, I think the good news is what I tend to hear from uh, procurement practitioners is the board are actually very open often to, to having this discussion. And it's probably an easier route into getting board level attention at the moment than going back yet again saying, can I tell you about my new category management strategy and how we're going to save 6.3% on our consulting spend? You know, they've heard that message for a long time and probably got a bit cynical about it. So, so this is something that, that is getting attention at, at board level. I think then if you come back to things like the data, I, I would have that, it's not what I would go and, uh, it wouldn't be the sort of top line of my presentation to the board. I would be getting the message across that this is what we need to do. And one of the enablers for that is going to be better data. We need to understand our suppliers better. And I might tell some of the horror stories about fraud while I was there as well. Um, but, but, you know, good data, good systems, technology, uh, and good people, they're all the enablers really for where we're trying to get to. We want to be a, an organization and a procurement function that really leads on purposeful procurement and that avoids bad buying. We, we're going to need good people and good systems. But if you can get that message across to the board and they buy into the concept and the strategy, then the other things and hopefully a bit of investment flows out of that. Certainly, let's hope so. Well, congratulations on the book. So for anyone out there looking for a Christmas present for all the business enthusiasts around, bad buying should be one to definitely put on the list. And also, it's great to see procurement as a topic breaking into mainstream discussions about business and business strategy. Thanks to Peter for joining us today, and we hope you've enjoyed this journey into the yin and the yang of procurement, bad buying and procurement with purpose. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please don't forget to hit the like or subscribe button. Or for more information about us, visit our website, www.pix.com.